Oh, hallelujah, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. Good morning, everyone. We just give God praise and honor and glory. He is so worthy of all of our honor, all of, oh, yes, God, all the glory belongs to him. And I, I want to open up by going to, again, Isaiah 55, verses 11 through 13. Um, so that we can have a full understanding of why we're even bringing forth the attributes of the myrtle tree and the fir tree. It's very significant unto us. And it's more than just um, facts about trees. We have to understand this is where God is taking us. This is where God is bringing us to. This is how we will be. We will be valuable. We will be beneficial. Amen. And they, and this is, I mean, it's just amazing to me because God didn't put anything here. Nothing did he put here just to be here and just for its beauty. There isn't anything here that he has in place that doesn't have a use, a value. Amen. And we have to understand that. So I'm hoping that as I read these um, attributes of the trees, these two trees to you, that you will hear it with a spiritual eye concerning yourself. Bless a spiritual ear, eye and ear. You both see and hear. Amen. All right. Beginning at verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be the Lord, hallelujah, for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Letting us know it's never going to end. Lord. It's never going to end what he has begun in us and what he's doing in us is not going to end. Hallelujah. And he's saying you're going to flourish like the fur and the myrtle. Hallelujah. And it's never going to end. Now, a lot of the myrtle I have already um, on last Sunday, I have put out there. But there are a few more things. Um, giving you its origin, the origin of the myrtle tree, it's native across the Mediterranean region, Macaronesia, Western Asian, Asia, I'm sorry, I, I really had a struggle with pronouncing that word, and the Indian subcontinents. It is an evergreen, mark that word, evergreen, mm. it, meaning it's always green. It's an evergreen shrub. 
or a small tree growing five meters, which means about 16 feet tall. The leaves entire about between three and five centimeters long. Now that that's its origin and some things concerning it. The uses of the myrtle tree is used in the inlands of, of Sardina and Corsica to produce in a remote aromatic, I'm sorry, aromatic liqueur called myrtle. Also, many Mediterranean pork dishes include myrtle berries. Also, they have been used Parts of the myrtle tree have been used to stuff roasted piglets in the belly cavity to import an, an aromatic flavor to the meat. The berries whole or ground have been used as a pepper substitute. Listen to the variety, and I know I said this before, but I want you to really notice it's not just, I mean, there's a variety of uses here. Staying, letting us know there are a variety of uses. God wants to use us in this same manner, in a variety, any way he pleases. The, the myrtle tree, they their berries also contribute to the distinctive flavor of some versions of the Italian mortadella sausage and the related American bologna sausage, the fruit and leaves contain valuable culinary ingredients of nutrients and organic compounds. This tree is also used for healing various medical problems as well as solutions. The leaves have an antiseptic properties. So with all of that, that we heard about it being used in food, it's also used for cleansing. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> it contains tannis. We have used tannis from various tree barks for a long time to tan animals, hide, and make leather. It also contains essential oils, organic acids, resin, bitter substances. It has been used for bacterial infections, gum infections, acne, and other skin problems. Wounds, urinary infections, hemorrhoids. The fruit also provides an excellent gastronomical, which is the stomach, benefit. It has been used for sinus infections and also stops bleeding. It is recognized as a healing plant. We are to be recognized as the very vessels of God in healing and supplying through our honoring God through his substance we are to be recognized of true images of God. We're not just here to be here, people of God. Amen. We are here to be beneficial. 
to be valuable. Hallelujah. And he is causing this. The Lord is causing this within us. We have been chosen for this. He is saying we are like the myrtle tree. He's saying we like the fir tree. He is causing us to be this way. And as I mentioned on last Sunday, in the Jewish liturgy, the myrtle tree is one of the four species of sacred plants. It is both the symbol and scent of the Garden of Eden. It branches are used in ceremonial services in many cultures. In Christianity, it symbolizes friendship, love, fidelity, forgiveness, and peace. It also symbolizes wealth and prosperity. The white flowered myrtle symbolizes innocence and chastity. It is favored by the royal family and the species and subspecies have gained the Royal Horticultural Society Award of garden merit, meaning that it is worthy. It is worthy in the Royal Horticulture, it has become worthy, and God is making us worthy. He Amen. is causing us to be worthy of all, of all he is. Amen. And that's the changes that are going on in our lives. Recognize them, embrace them. Now I'm going to go on to the fir tree. And something happened that I saw this morning, and I'm going to point it out to you. Listen carefully about the fir tree. The fir tree is the genus name arrived from the Latin, which means to rise. Did anyone hear the push prayer this morning? Hmm? Let right. me read the first two lines of the push prayer. Push, the power coming from the inside to the outside will be proven. And it's being proven. So we rise up just like the fir tree. We rise. Hey, glory. Its name means to rise. Hallelujah. Amen. It means to rise. When I saw that, because I asked the Lord what prayer we should have this morning, I do all the time. I want to know what he wants us to pray for, what he, what he is saying. And he's telling us to rise. Amen. Now listen to how high, and we know God is taking us higher, but listen to this. It means to rise in influence to the height of its species. They have been known to grow from 50 feet to 300 feet tall. Wow. 300 feet. That's no short tree <laughs> by any means. There are many species of the fir, and different species bark are used to make herbal treatments for various diseases. And the leaves in some cultures were used for a coffee substitute. Listen to the variety. The buds of the Douglas fir, which is in the myrtle tree family, has been used to flavor a clear colorless fruit brandy. Also, its pines, leaves, 
can make a pine needle tea. And the pine leaves also used in place of rosemary. And it also for building homes and other constructions. There are six, I want you to hear this. There are six key values that are deep seated in the evergreen. The fir is also an evergreen. That are deep seated in its in its evergreen branches. Listen, key values that are deep seated in its evergreen branches. Immortality, endurance, wow. hallelujah, Jesus, wow. strength, passion. Oh, this blesses me. Rebirth. Wow. Rebirth and protection. It is also a symbol of hope, longevity, resilience, cool. representing the pillar of strength and the tower of truth. Known, it is known, hallelujah, evangelist Dow, this is going to bless you. Known as the tree of wisdom. I thought about you when I saw that. From our conversation the other day, the wisdom God is giving us. Amen. He's giving us wisdom in all things as Hallelujah. we go forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. And as apostle taught us, a tree of nobility. Both trees, myrtle and fir, are evergreens. If we eat what good, that's what is good, meaning the rhema. We too will have many uses, value, and oh. beneficial to others. Mm -hmm. Having a mindset, the very thoughts of oh, God. Yeah. And that's where he's taking us, people of God. Oh, hallelujah, God. We bless you this morning. Hallelujah. We bless you for where you're taking us. We bless yeah. you for what you're doing in us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. And we desire not to leave one behind, Lord. Not uh, one, Lord God. We desire not to leave one behind. Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We bless you. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you. Thank you. And that, that was my excerpt for this morning. Hallelujah. And I give God glory for what for all things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that is that is fascinating. Truly fascinating, the fur and the myrtle. So many uses, so many benefits mm -hmm. in so many ways, from nourishment to healing, longevity, even rebirth. Mm -hmm. Truly fascinating. And 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 to, for God to use those as an example of what we will become. Awesome. Because mm -hmm. of his goodness. It is an amazing, amazing analogy. And there's so much that you can pull from that. I want you to lift your hands for a minute and just realize that the outpour of God right now, the fact that we're hearing his word is, is a release of his goodness. I want you to lift your hands and I just want you to be a benefactor of it for a moment, if you will. I want you to just really imbibe what, what, what the word is doing for you and to you right now. Thank I you. want you to just, I mean, just extract the benefit. Thank you, Jesus. 
the benefits that are on the atmosphere because of hearing his word. His word is nothing short of his goodness. The fact that you're, you're, you're just, I mean, just in the atmosphere of his word, the goodness of the Lord is here because the word of the Lord is here. The word of the Lord, all those benefits extract whichever you might need even right now. Because realize it's locked inside of the goodness of the Lord. Yes, it is. It's there inside of the goodness. What you need is here. I'm telling you, what you need is right now. It's already here. The word is already fruitful for you. So whatever benefit, whatever benefit you heard that you want to imbibe, that you want to really breathe in and actualize it, make it, make it your own. Let it become manifested in you. Take a moment because the goodness of the Lord is here for you and for me right this very moment. Thank you, Lord. Goodness is here. Thank you, Jesus. Here, hallelujah. Thank hallelujah, you. Jesus. Hallelujah. Give you glory. I can't shake this thing here. I was watching um, this, the, the movie called Shazam uh, yesterday. And at the end of the movie, they, uh, Shazam had died and uh, Wonder Woman came and she's supposed to be a, a demigod. And so she had the power to put back in a staff that would bring resurrection. Well, when she touched the staff and she, she put the staff in the ground, when she put the staff in the ground, all these beautiful flowers began to bud. And then this rotten, decrepit tree became a myrtle tree right there at the end of the movie. I, could, wow. I was blown away. And oh, then wow. he, he, rose up, he rose from the dead when the tree became a myrtle. And he rose up out of the ground and was given, he, he came back to life again. I don't mean to, to spoil it for somebody that might not have seen the movie, but it was really powerful just watching that and to see that, that we become a beautiful myrtle, much like the one that we use uh, as a picture uh, during the messages. Um, but it was just something to behold when I saw that. I was like, look at you, Lord, you're, you're talking to me in the midst of watching Shazam. <laughs> Amen. And I'm getting Amen. confirmation to, to what we're becoming because of your goodness. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. I'm not going to be very long, but I do have a word from the Lord for us today. And I'm excited about it. Thank you for the excerpt, Elder. Thank you so much for the press this morning, Evangelist. Thank God for you, for the press that you came in with and what Amen. God used you to do to really, really put you put some people on your shoulders today. I can tell you that. I, I can tell you that by the spirit. You really did. You put some people on your shoulders and God bless you for, for being a benefit to us and being useful for us. Amen. Today, if you can see my notes, I don't know that you can. You got them? Okay. I want to talk to you about goodness personified today. Goodness personified. We know that the word goodness means useful and beneficial. We know it means valuable. One of our favorite definitions, my favorite definition is, is the one that Kurt brought to light years ago, affecting the mind agreeably. All right. It means uprightness of heart and life. It means benevolence. 
All right. So as we're being affected in our minds, we're experiencing the goodness of the Lord. But God doesn't just want you to stop there and feeling better because you've heard the word. I was on the line last week. Matt was on the line last week. And right when we were done with church, he said, Daddy, I want to go back to church. That was my 13 year old boy saying, I want to go back. I mean, right when we were done, he's like, I want to. I said, well, press play and go ahead and go back. And he was just feeling so good. And that is what God wants. But there's more than just feeling good like that. There's so much more. There's so many benefits behind the goodness of the Lord. And it's been personified. His goodness is personified. It means it, there's a representation or it has an embodiment. All right. There's an embodiment to the goodness of the Lord. And we're going to we're going to really learn about the embodiment. What embodies the goodness of God? All right. What embodies the quality of God? It, it, it is in a physical form. We know that that Jesus is the embodiment of God's goodness. He's the, the embodiment of God himself. So obviously he has to be the embodiment of God's goodness. But today God wants to point out something that's that's also true here. It is the word the word, Elder was all over it this morning in her excerpt. It is the word that personifies God's goodness. The goodness of God is embodied in the word of God. All of the benevolence that you need, all of the healing that you need, everything that you need, is it's, it's found in the goodness of God. Remember, all of the fruit is found in, all of the fruit of the spirit is found in all goodness. So now you, everything you need is coming and it is the word that we're under that is personifying the goodness of God. That's where the embodiment is. That's where his goodness is, is being represented by his word. Why? Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Period. So the embodiment, what's carrying the goodness of God is this rhema that we're under. It personifies God's goodness. John 1.14 says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. It was the word in Christ that personified the father's goodness. And it is the word, the rhema in us that's representing still God's goodness. His benevolence is right here. It's actualized right now. It's available right now. The sooner we learn this, the sooner we will be endowed with all the riches, the fullness of the Father. That as you're under the reign of word, the goodness of God is really manifested. And it's not just embodied there. Yes, it's embodied for sure. But the reason why it's there's representation or there's manifestation. It's not everyone that is that 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 is moving in the goodness of God, although his word is the fullness of his goodness. Right. But the bottom line is, is, is that everybody isn't hearing the same way. Everybody isn't hearing. People don't understand what you what you're what you're gathering right now and what you're harvesting right now. It's the understanding behind the word that causes the embodiment 
That's the understanding that brings forth representation or manifestation. God has blessed us with ears to hear. This is how we're receiving his goodness. Goodwill towards men. We're hearing the rhema, which is the will of God toward us. It's the word that embodies this. Anytime the word is here, the goodness of the Lord is in the land of the living. Amen. Somebody say amen if you're still with me. Amen, amen. Amen. All right, now his goodness is how we will live. Amen. In Matthew 4, and verse 4, it says, But he answered and said, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, this is going to really, really, this, this message is going to really bless you. So stay, stay, stay with me now. We're talking about now the, 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 the goodness of God being personified. It's by every word that proceeds out of his mouth that releases his goodness. When he said, but by, it says, but by every word, he really canceled out men living by bread entirely. Hmm. He was saying that there is no natural substance that men would live by. We live by the goodness of God. Amen. And his goodness comes from his mouth. Every rhema word we hear, it, it, it's the personification of God himself. And every rhema word produces his goodness. I want you to understand that. He wants you to understand that. That if you're under the sound of my voice and if there's rhema on the atmosphere, then there's goodness that can be had in your life right this moment. Right this very moment. Every rhema word produces his goodness. What makes his word his goodness is when, like I told you, he causes you and I to understand that his word is his goodness. That's mm -hmm. the key right yes, there. Is. When you understand his rhema is his goodness, you can begin to receive and, and I mean extract the benefits. When the word is a reproach unto you, now watch this now. It's a reproach unto me. His goodness isn't produced by his word. When the word is a reproach, it is the ear that can hear that will retain the goodness of God. Only the hearing ear can receive the goodness of the Lord. Watch this here. In Jeremiah 6 and 10, he says, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. When you find yourself delighting in the word, that means you're under the goodness of the Lord. When the word becomes your delight, you're under his goodness. But the Bible says that, that when your ear is uncircumcised, the word uncircumcised means that you weren't harvested. You're one that was not harvested by God. But when you take a delight in the word, you've been harvested by God because he's pouring out his goodness unto all those that he's harvested. Amen. So if you delight in what you're hearing right now, man, come on, rejoice, my God, rejoice. Why? Because you're under the goodness of the Lord. You see, it's the hearers that receive it. When the hearing ear is circumcised, it means you have been harvested, as I said, by God himself. The uncircumcised ear is considered unharvested, as I said. In other words, when you've been chosen, 
All right. When you've been chosen, you've been chosen to embody the goodness of God. Take a minute and buy that for a second. When you've been chosen, you've been also chosen to embody the goodness of God. Psalms 34 and 8 says it like this. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Taste and see. The word taste means perceive. To become aware or conscious of something. When you're perceiving, my goodness, you're going to see that the Lord is good. When you're grabbing hold of an understanding, when the rhema word is coming alive in you, you're about to see that the Lord is good. Amen. Why? Because you're tasting and you're, you're about anything you taste or anything you perceive out of God, you're going you're gonna to experience his goodness. His goodness, why? His goodness is embodied in his word. And when you taste his word, when you taste Jesus. his word, when you perceive his word, you will see that the Lord is good. I need somebody to rise up in faith and understand that. If you're perceiving what I'm saying, then you should be seeing what I'm saying at the same time. If you taste it, you're going to see it. The benevolence of God is already here. It's already in our atmosphere. The yes, healing, the restoration, the new birth. Everything Hallelujah. that God is representing behind goodness. Everything that God is, is already in the atmosphere of them that taste and see. You've got to be one that can perceive. You've got to be one that wants to perceive. And if you perceive, then continue to perceive, because by what measure you meet shall be met back unto you. The more you perceive, the more you will see. I'll say that again. The more that you perceive, the more that you will see. So to perceive means to become aware or conscience of something. Now, what God is doing to us is we are tasting. Listen now, we are tasting. We're becoming aware of his goodness. We're tasting the, the rhema of goodness. So now as you're tasting the rhema of his goodness, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see his goodness. You're tasting the rhema. You're going to find out he is good. If you're tasting this word, this message, this revelation of his goodness, you're going to see Oh, glory be to God. You're going to see his goodness. You will see it. The writer said he would have fainted if he didn't believe that the goodness of the Lord was not coming to the land of the living. You're going to see his goodness. I'm, I'm going to say this. You're going to see your healing. You're going to see your deliverance. You're going to see your prosperity. You're going to taste and see, as long as you continue to perceive, you're going to see. Yes. He's bringing forth manifestation. Yes. Now watch this. Let's look at something in the reverse for a minute. The children of Israel tasted, but they didn't see. They tasted, but they didn't see. God gave me a really powerful insight here in the book of Exodus chapter 16, verses 14 through 24. 
And it says, and when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. And he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. Now listen, when they met it with an omer, which was the measurement in which they were supposed to get, he that gathered little had no lack. He that gathered over, it says, it says, it said that he 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 that gathered little, it says in Omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. In other words, everybody there was a sense of equality, oneness, but they had to do it according to the measure of the Omer. All right. So they gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it until the morning. And, the bread, and, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is, this is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today and seethe that which you will seethe. And that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any worm therein. Hmm. Now, the manna was not the goodness of the Lord. The word was the goodness of the Lord. Bless God. When they kept the word and they did it according to the measurement of the omer, it stayed fresh. Hallelujah. It Jesus. was perfect. It brought satisfaction in every way. But when they tried to hoard over it, they, they what they did was they, they stepped outside of the goodness of the Lord and that which they thought was God's goodness ended up getting rotten and become stank and it was, it was infested with worms. So it's clearly here that it's the word of the Lord that is the goodness of the Lord. Yes. They were experiencing his goodness by what he said, even when he said to gather double, it, it, they let it lay over, but the word of the Lord said, do it, gather double. Not that they didn't do it of their own accord. I'm talking to someone right now. It's not about, listen, 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 listen. The goodness of the Lord is by the word of the Lord. It's not what we gather. It's not what we receive. It's not the substance of a thing. It's the word of the Lord that produces mm. the substance of a thing that constitutes Hallelujah, the goodness Jesus. of the Lord. 
Hence, this is why the axe is laid at the root. God is disconnecting us from anything that, that, that is of substance. Why? So we can experience the embodiment of his goodness. Jesus. They were tasting the manna, but they weren't tasting God. He wanted them to see that they would live perfectly by every word he spoke. Mm, when you. they gathered too much and left it till the morning, as I said, it became worm infested. It became rotten. When they obeyed the word or goodness of gathering twice as much, the manna stayed fresh. But they still didn't taste God. They were only oh. tasting the manna. Once again, this is why the axe, as I said, is laid at this root, man. Mm -hmm. We won't be like them to taste the substance and not taste and see God. In fact, Jesus said it just like this in John 6, 49, verses 49 through 51. It says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from, from heaven. He said that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the uh -huh. bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is saying, listen, that manna was not God's goodness. It didn't give eternal life. He said, but I am the bread which comes down from heaven. What? Taste and see the manna. No, that the Lord is good. That every word that comes out of his mouth is what we live by. Hallelujah. Every word. That's what we ought to be tasting. And when we imbibe, when we taste, when we perceive, the goodness of the Lord produces eternal life. It produces healing in the now. It produces deliverance in the now. And then eternal life to come. Every word is packed full of his goodness. You see, we don't want to taste manna. We want the living bread. In fact, listen to this. I never knew this until this study. That the word manna means this. What is it? It means how. It means why or when. We don't want manna, people of God. We don't want the manna that, 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 that God, no, we don't want that. We want the bread of life. We don't want manna. Manna, when you eat manna, it leaves you in question. What is it? How, why, or when? How did this get here? We, we, don't, we don't taste and see God when we're eating manna. We were never called to eat manna. We were called to eat the bread of life. The bread of life does not leave question behind. The bread of life causes you to know that you know that you know God and that God is and God will. The bread of life doesn't leave questions. Manna, manna says, what is it? Manna says, how? Manna says why, manna says when. But when we eat the bread of life, we don't taste. Listen, what I'm trying to say is when we eat the bread of life, we don't taste the substance. We only taste and see the Lord, that he is good. We're never nourished on substance. We're only nourished by the fact that God's word is God's goodness. God's word is my provision. God's word is how I'm healed. God's word is how I'm delivered. God's word is why I'm full of joy. God's word is why I have peace. God's word, that's all we taste. 
But when we're in the goodness of the Lord, we become we, we, we become them that do not taste substance. Again, this is why he's laid the ax at the root. Because the, anything that we're still connected to in this life, in this world, we're tasting it and we're not tasting him. And when you don't taste and see, there's no eternal life for you. There's no eternal life for you. There's no goodness when you're not tasting and seeing. The Lord is good. So when we taste the Lord, his goodness leaves no questions. We know that we know. In fact, that's what goodness is. It causes our minds to be just like his. Mm, yes, God. You know you're not eating manna when your mind is just like, it's operating just like him. When you know that you know you're going to be healed, you're going to be delivered. When you know like he knows, you're eating the bread of life and not manna. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, he's always, always been wanting this. He wanted it with the children of Israel back then. He really did. He wanted them to taste and see that he is good. In Deuteronomy, it picks up the accounts here and it, uh, how God was really looking for this with them. It says, all the commandments which I command thee, thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, watch that word right there, and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart and whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse three. And he humbled thee, and he suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. He was feeding them manna so that they would actually feast on him. He wanted them to know he humbled them with hunger. He humbled them. It was humbling them so that they might begin to taste him and not the manna they were eating. He said, I wanted you to know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Verse four, it says, thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land and a, a land of brooks and of water and fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and are full, then shalt thou bless 
then shall then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now, when he said he humbled them, I couldn't believe the definition behind this. And I'm not trying to bring up old stuff, but I couldn't help it. It says humbled. It means cause to, cause to give. When I've caused you to give, to answer, or to give answer. So it means cause to, cause to give, or cause to give answer. But the definition means cause to give. And so what God was saying there, that when I've humbled you, watch this now, I've humbled you, I'm going to cause you to give. And I understand why. Because when you're giving and you're eating from the good, it keeps you in a place of tasting and seeing that I am gracious, that I am good. When you're caused and you reverence God, it keeps you there. Why? The ax really still is laid at the root. And so now being humbled by God, we see God, we taste God, we reverence God, we worship God, we bless God. Why? For the good. Why? I don't want to lose the good in which I've received. I want to continue to flourish in his goodness. Why? And so I will worship. It will cause me to give. I will give. I will worship. I will honor. And again, I'm not kicking up old things, but I couldn't help but to see that God was keeping them in a place of flowing, of his goodness flowing. He said that when I bring you into the land that is good, what made the land good? I called it good. That's what made it good. Oh, yes. God spoke it to be good. And therefore, it was the word. It wasn't the land. It's what God said would be in the land that caused what was in the land to be there. And it made it good by his word. So he said, when I bless you and you eat, he says, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God. Why? For the good land in which I've given you. We bless him, people of God. What am I saying? We honor him, people of God. Why? Because we want to continue to flourish in his goodness. Hallelujah, yes. We want to continue to grow and be recipients of his goodness. It's not the thing that he gave us that's good. It's the word that he's giving us that's good. He's causing us to flourish because he speaks to us. The word is the embodiment. It is the goodness of God personified. If you want his goodness, get his word. Hear his word. And when you've seen what the word is able to do, turn and bless him. For what? For his goodness. Bless him for the good that he procured unto you. You worship and reverence him because he's good. He's good to you. He's good to me. So when I turn and I worship him, I worship him, yes, with a violent intention to stay disconnected from this source and from this life. Yeah, I have a violent intention in my worship, but then I also have a worship that says, it's because you're so good. You're so good. You speak to me and you release your goodness in me, and on me, for me. 
So when he causes, when he's humbling you, listen, if God is humbling you, it's because God is ready to bless you with his goodness. If you're in a humbling situation, don't, don't frown upon it. Don't, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. You've been waiting for a breakthrough for a minute. God is humbling you. Why? Because he's about to reveal his goodness. He's told him that. He said, listen, I caused you to hunger. I was humbling you. I was getting you ready to give. I was getting you ready to honor. I was getting you ready to bless me as you see my goodness come forth. If you want to continue in the flow of his goodness, bless him. Bless him. When you are eaten or you've been healed or, or, or what have you, day by day, just awakening, bless him. Because you're under the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So when God is establishing his goodness, he alone makes you to know and to understand. You can see how he disconnected them from any other source. You see how he did that in, Deuter in, in the book of Deuteronomy? He, he did that to the children of Israel. He disconnected them from any other source but himself. He wanted them to just feast on him. And that's what he wants for us. Again, his goodness is his word. And when he wants it established, the ax is first laid to the root. When he delivered them out of the land of Egypt, the ax was laid at the root. Though they wanted to go back, they said it was better for us to be there. God kept swiping away at the root. He kept axing at the root. He kept, he kept I mean, swiping and I mean, he was hammering down at the root to the point where they stood. They, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't eat manna for a day, people. They ate manna for 40 years, the Bible says. It wasn't just a, a, a quick here and gone. No, no, it lasted 40 years in the wilderness. They ate 40 years and didn't get a revelation that God was their source. So when you get the revelation of how you can't live without his word, God is obviously humbling you to know him. He is bringing you into his goodness and he will reveal his benevolence unto you. When the reign of him being your only source is established in you, man, you're about to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Again, what made that land good, what, what made it good, what made it absolutely good was God spoke. Amen. He spoke over the land. Amen. It wasn't the substance in the land. It was, it was the word of the Lord toward the land. When you get that revelation, man, you're on your way. Because his word is his goodness personified. So don't look for the thing. Look for him. Look for the word. And all of the benevolence that comes in the form of goodness is already yours. So even right now, you can lift your hands and, and glorify him for healing. You can lift your hands and glorify him for the open door that you've been waiting for. You can lift your hands. Why? Because you're under the goodness of God right now because you're hearing him. And now, come on, now this faith will become substance. 
of things that you're hoping for. This will become evidence of things that you can't see because you're understanding that the goodness of the Lord is here. Your faith is on another level that all that you need is right here in your atmosphere right now. Deliverance, hallelujah, is here. I'm telling you, healing is here. His protection is here. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's a rebirth even in your atmosphere right now. Just reach up and grab it. Just reach up and take what belongs to you. Oh, God, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All of who he is is here. His word. Thank you, Jesus. His word has embodied his goodness. You want manifestation? Here it is. Here it is. Oh, glory be to God. Here it is. But he wants you to taste and see that he is good. That's all he wants out of the deal is that you taste and see he is good. Not the thing you're looking for. He is. Don't taste the manna. Eat the bread of life. Lifting your hands, everybody, that's under the sound of my voice. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the bread of life, Master. You're makes me excited. It's no longer things. It's no longer things that we deem as substance. You are substance. I taste and see you are so good. There's such a blessed assurance just knowing that all of what I need is wrapped in hearing your voice. Mm -hmm. I can feel your goodness by your word. Hallelujah, Jesus. I experience your goodness by your word. The peace that comes. Thank you, Lord. All of the fruit of the spirit is found in, in all goodness. And I'm experiencing it right now. I'm hidden, I'm safe in you right now. I'm shielded by your goodness. Thank you. Jesus. Right this very moment. Everything we need is here, Master. We're tasting and seeing that you are so good. You're beneficial. You're useful. You have value. It is your goodness that we're tasting.
It's you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Surely you're our portion. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Surely you are. That's why we honor you, Jesus. That's why we honor you. We bless you, Master. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we bless you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you. Who, Jesus, we bless you. Oh, God, we bless you. We bless you, Jesus. Taste and see. Taste and see, everyone. Just taste and see. Amen. The Lord is good. I hear the Lord say, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry about. You have nothing that can harm you. My goodness is a shield for you. It's a shield about you and around you. It will bring forth. I tried to cause them to taste and see me. But they could not. Not to discredit them, but they did not have the sacrifice of my son. Their conscience, they couldn't hold the goodness. The foreshadow of the land in which I gave them was to only point them to me. Mm. It was just to point them to me. And I would have revealed myself to them. I would have. My servant Moses knew me. My servant Moses and Aaron knew me. They were tasting and they were seeing. But to you, there's another level of goodness. There's another level of this covenant being revealed to you. You've been washed in the blood of my son. And therefore, the fullness of my goodness mm. is yours. That's why I don't despise the riches of my goodness. Don't despise the riches. The fullness of my goodness is here. The fullness of my goodness. There is no restriction, neither restraint. But the fullness of my goodness is at your disposal. It's within your grasp. Taste and see. Taste and see. Your ears are circumcised. You are harvested by me through the blood of my son. Taste and see that I am good. And despise not the riches of my goodness. Oh, glory be to God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Master. A couple of comments here. Evangelist Darrell says, powerful, the meaning of manna. We don't have to, we don't have to question what it is, what is it when we hear God's word and taste God's goodness. Hallelujah. And amen. Elder Allison says amen twice. And Elder Donna says amen three times. You know you're eating the bread of life when you don't question. When there's no question. When you know that you know. You're eating the bread of life. You're tasting and seeing the Lord is good. Jesus. I'm watching my daughter, Elisha, experience God in ways that are so phenomenal to me. I mean, phenomenal. She, I, I taught her how to pray about changing the narrative. And she's changing the narrative like crazy. Bless God. We went fishing. We fish for crabs. We don't really fish for fish. And this girl was changing the narrative and she's catching crabs like crazy. I'm over on the other end trying to get just something. <laughs> and she's pulling them out left and right. And I'm like, what are you doing? She said, I'm changing the narrative. I said, you surely are. She's down yeah. there. She, I told you, Daddy, I've been praying and God's changing. She's been speaking this about so many things over the last month. But what God is really doing is causing Elisha to taste and see that he is good. She's finding a source. Mm -hmm. In him, she's finding that he is the source. And what's fascinating is he's is he's causing her to be to, 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 to understand his goodness. That is a value, man, that, that that's second to none. Yes, it is. And I'm watching the Lord just awaken all of my children in him in a beautiful way, very authentic. They're tasting his goodness. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Hallelujah. Oh, man, when you taste and see how good he is. He's, we used to sing a lick in, in our worship, and the lick was, he's sweeter than the honey of Babylon. He surely is sweeter than the honey of Babylon. Oh, yes. He's so sweet. Yes, yes. There is not one bitter word that comes into my ears. Every word is sweet. Whether it's rebuke. It's true. It's true. Anything. It's true. Whatever he says is so sweet. Who God, yes. Wow. All right. Oh, Jesus, I bless you. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Amen. 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 We're going to honor him. We're going to.
you're going to sow. 